This podcast is brought to you by the Specialty Produce Network. Welcome to Plated Earth, where we share at least a fraction of the crazy, wonderful, and insightful stories of produce. I'm your host, JJ. Plated Earth is also the official podcast of the Specialty Produce app. Please show your support for us and Specialty Produce by downloading the app and exploring one of the globe's most comprehensive fresh food databases. So what's on our plate today? The century plant. Today is episode 99 here at Plated Earth. And as we approach our 100th episode, what better topic than the century plant? Never heard of it? Don't think you've ever eaten it? Well, you might want to think again. The century plant is also known as agave. While there are many different types of agave plants, and the agave genus actually includes over 200 species, only a few are used for consumption. One of the most familiar is agave americana, the species most commonly referenced by the nicknames mage, American aloe, and century plant. Although the century plant may resemble a cactus, complete with spiked edges, it is actually a large, majestic, flowering succulent in the asparagus family, more closely related to yucca than cactus. And despite one of its nicknames, the century plant is also not a type of aloe. In fact, they're not even closely related, despite their similar appearance. The century plant has massive, dusty, gray-green leaves that are thick, fleshy, and coarse, growing anywhere from 10 to 25 centimeters wide and about 2 to 3 meters tall or more. The leaves are often bordered with centimeter-long, sharp, spiny teeth and topped by one larger, needle-like spike at their very tip, about 3 to 5 centimeters long. The plant will produce about 20 to 50 leaves in total, which grow in a rosette shape and can cover as much as 4 meters of land. The leaves store nutrient reserves, and their waxy coating helps prevent water loss, making it a drought-tolerant plant. The nickname century plant stems from a myth that the plant only flowers when it reaches 100 years old. Although it is a slow-growing plant that takes years to bloom, in reality, the century plant can flower as young as 10 years old, though most live between 20 and 30 years in the wild. The century plant is monocarpic, meaning that after it finally does bloom, the plant dies. So when that time comes, a flower stalk will sprout in the center of the plant and grow vigorously upright toward the sky, reaching up to 10 meters tall. The flower stalk kind of resembles a giant spear of asparagus, and its nectar attracts pollinating birds, bats, and insects. At its top, the stalk will produce clusters of hundreds of oblong flower buds, about 5 to 10 centimeters long that are bright green with a firm texture. They'll actually snap when broken in half. The buds then bloom into upward-facing, vibrant yellow flowers. And after blooming, the century plant dies back. But not to worry. Offsets around its base usually leave farmers with a supply of new plants. Century plants are native to Mexico, as well as the southwestern United States. And they are said to have been used by natives over 10 to 12,000 years ago. Spanish and Portuguese explorers spread the plant in the 16th century by bringing leaves back to Europe. Today, agave plants in general are cultivated in many parts of the world in similar growing conditions, aka a sunny and dry climate with well-drained soil. 
Still, they are primarily grown in Central America and parts of the United States, and can be found in fresh markets of those producing regions. Despite its importance in ancient and modern Mesoamerican societies, very little is known about the agave plant's domestication, perhaps because the same species of agave plants can be found in different stages of domestication. Some are completely domesticated and grown in plantations. Some are tended in the wild. Some seeds are collected and grown in nurseries for small local markets, and others are transplanted into home gardens. In general, domesticated plants are larger than those growing in the wild, with fewer and smaller spines and less genetic diversity. Only a handful of agave species have even been studied for their history of domestication, the most research coming from a species historically used for its fibers, called henequen thought to have been domesticated by the Maya as early as 600 CE and in full swing by the 16th century when Spanish conquistadors arrived. So what about the agave plant was so important to ancient and modern societies? Well, the different species of agave proved to have unique value as economic resources. For example, both the century plant, aka agave americana, in case you forgot which species we're talking about, and another species commonly called blue agave, are the primary sources of agave nectar, a syrupy sweetener produced from the juice in the plant's core, often used as an alternative to sugar and honey. Real quick side note, does that species blue agave sound familiar? That's probably because it is the only agave species used to make tequila, a distilled alcohol from the town of tequila in Jalisco, Mexico. But the century plant, too, was used for making a special beverage in Mexico. When the flower stalk is cut before it actually blooms, a sweet, milky sap called agua miel, Spanish for honey water, gathers in the heart of the plant. Honey water is fermented to produce a mildly alcoholic drink called pulque, considered a regional specialty in Mexico, that was first drunk by the Maya, Aztecs, and other cultures of ancient Mesoamerica. Pulque can then be distilled to produce a hard spirit called mezcal, my personal favorite, known for its smoky flavor. Unlike tequila, which is only produced from one species of agave plant and must be produced in specific regions of Mexico, the largest of which is the state of Jalisco, the spirit mezcal can be produced from about 30 different species of agave, including the century plant, with each individual species offering unique flavor and aroma. The species agave esparin is the most widely used for mezcal production, while agave tobala, a rare variety that is mostly harvested from the wild, is hailed as the king of mezcals. There's even actually a species called Paris agave, which is nicknamed mezcal agave, or perhaps more appropriately, artichoke agave, thanks to its compact leaves, which give it the appearance of a giant artichoke. Quick side note. Although the name maguey is closely associated with the species agave americana, over the past few centuries, the word maguey has been used as a term for all types of agave. But in tequila country, maguey generally refers to the select agave species used for making pulque, subsequently mezcal, and not tequila. So even though mezcal is made in almost every state in Mexico, it's only officially recognized when it's produced in eight specific states out of the 31 in the country with most coming from the spirit's capital, Oaxaca. In addition to liquor and agave nectar production, the leaves of the century plant are also used in culinary, medicinal, and practical applications. For thousands of years, native cultures of Mexico and southwestern United States made use of the entire agave plant. Fibers from the large leaves were used to make rope, carpet, matting, fishnets, and even thread, 
spun to make cloth for clothing and more. Spanish artisans also use the strong, fibrous threads in a technique to embroider on leather called piteado. Leftover fibers, such as the byproduct when making tequila, were used to make a pulp which was mashed into a paper. The material was similar to papyrus and was among the first type of paper used by the ancient cultures of Mexico, such as the Aztecs, who used the material for ancient manuscripts and picture books written to pass down their history. Perhaps the more simple method for making this paper was to peel away pieces of the meaty leaves in sheets, which were then allowed to dry into the paper-like material. Another use for this versatile plant is making soap. The leaves and roots contain saponins, naturally occurring soap-like substances, which can be extracted and used as a cleaning agent as they dissolve in water and create soap-like foam. The thorns at the tips of the leaves were used to make small tools, like needles, paired with a few feet of fiber that remains attached to the thorn when removed carefully from the leaf. And ta-da, you have a natural sewing kit. How cool is that? But be careful, though. Fresh sap of century plant leaves is known to be poisonous and can cause severe skin irritation as well as digestive problems if consumed. Don't worry, we'll get into cooked applications in a minute. So while sewing sounds cute and harmless, the Maya also used the spines during ritual bloodletting. And of course, nothing is more primitive than making fire. And wouldn't you know it, the flowering stalk and the heart of the century plant make for good burning material. The sap from the cut flowering stems, aka the honey water, has antibiotic, antiseptic, diaphoretic, diuretic, and laxative properties, and has long been used in medicinal treatments in Central America, both externally and internally, along with the healing powers of the century plant's roots, juice, and leaves. The different parts of the plant have been used to treat everything from jaundice, to toothaches, to burns, to dysentery, to snake bites, according to Mexican folk medicine. In Aztec culture, ground cooked pulp of the leaves was also blended with salt and applied to open wounds as a compress. Leaves, flowers, the stalk, and the root of the century plant are all edible. Traditionally, Native Americans roasted the agave leaves in pits. It was considered a staple as it could be ground into a powder and stored for years. Remember, the leaves should not be consumed raw because the sap of the leaves is toxic. The leaves are best suited for grilling baking, and roasting, and they offer a sweet, smoky, caramel-like flavor. In Mexico, there is a dish called mixiotes, composed of a meat like rabbit, beef, chicken, or pork, blended with chilies, herbs, and spices, wrapped in the outermost layer of a century plant leaf, and steamed to perfection. The leaves are also used for a traditional barbecue form of cooking meat in Mexico called barbacoa where meats like lamb or beef are slow-cooked in a hole dug in the ground, covered with century plant leaves, which impart a smoky flavor. The stalk and heart of the century plant can be roasted and eaten, offering a sweet but acquired taste, and the pulp from the center of the roasted heart can be scooped out and made into cakes. The century plant's flower buds may be eaten raw and are crunchy and succulent with a sweet and savory flavor. However, they are often boiled or blanched to soften their texture. They are best foraged while the buds are still closed, as the open flowers can become bitter. They can be battered and fried, paired with rich, savory ingredients like bacon or ham, or sweet ones like vanilla, maple syrup, and dairy-rich desserts. So there is one more popular delicacy in Mexico that comes from the century plant and other maguey plants. 
worms. Well, technically, they're more like caterpillars, but are more commonly called mage worms. They're harvested by cutting away the leaves, getting close to the center of the plant, where moths lay their larvae. They can be found sold at local markets, dried and strung up like necklaces from stalls, or overflowing from piles in baskets. These worms were once a vital source of protein for the Aztecs, and today they make a crispy, nutty, fried snack or taco filling, and they've even made their way onto restaurant plates. Chefs often compare them to fried pork cracklings and use them to add flavor or texture to a variety of dishes. Early production of mezcal included these worms inside the bottle as a marketing ploy to attract curious tourists into drinking the local spirit. Some even believe that finding a mage worm in your drink is actually a sign of good luck. If eating or drinking or even just looking at the whole worm sounds too much to handle, they are also sometimes ground into a smoky powder made with salt and red chili that can be used as a seasoning. Do you take your tequila with salt and lime? Well, maybe you'd like another favorite pairing, mezcal with the smoky worm seasoning and slices of lime. So whether it's your sense of taste, sense of adventure, or your craving for knowledge, the Specially Produce app is there to guide your food journey as you explore the plants and produce you know, the ones you think you know, and the ones you don't know at all. Stay hungry, my friends. Download the app and keep exploring. Well, folks, that concludes this week's episode. As always, you can find more information, recipe ideas, and local market shares on the Specialty Produce app. Tune in next time for more food fables. And remember, cauliflower is nothing but a cabbage with a college education. We'll catch you next time. We'll be right back.